The following is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. And welcome wrestling fans to the Ice Hour. This podcast is aimed at promoting the world of Division Three college wrestling and is named for the late Hall of Fame coach Dave Eisenhower. Here we'll talk about topics and news that's relevant to those who compete for the love of the sport in Division Three. The Ice Hour is sponsored by My House Sports Gear. Check out their line of wrestling gear and apparel at MyHouseSportsGear.com. Subscribe using your favorite podcasting app by going to MattTalkOnline.com slash ice. Episode three of the Ice Hour Division Three Wrestling Podcast. Jason Bryan, he with you. Going to have a full show today. First segment, we're going to be talking to Pete Rogers of My House Sports Gear and three-time Division Three All American from Ithaca, Mike Fusilli. And then later on in the program, we'll talk with the new head wrestling coach at Case Western Reserve University, Danny Song. But in our opening segment, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, just Division Three wrestling as a whole from. Uh, different coaching standpoints. And first thing, we want to welcome Pete to the show, who works with My House Sports Gear, which is a sponsor of this program. And and Pete, first of all, from as a Division Three wrestling fan and as a journalist that's covered the Division Three championships since 2009, uh, you know, there's a different culture when it comes to Division Three coaches, athletes, and alumni. And and first of all, where does My House fit into the world of Division Three athletics, especially wrestling? Well, number one, as a staff at my house, I was a head coach for nine years in Division Three wrestling, so we're huge fans of it as well. Also, the owner was a an official. Um, we'd like to do anything we can for the for the sport of wrestling in general, and especially Division Three wrestling, where our company is located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's surrounded by a bunch of Division Three wrestling programs, and any time we get a chance to give back and to to help the sport we love and at the division three level we're we're going to jump at the opportunity. Mike, you've been around the division three landscape for a while. And like Pete, you both have division one coaching experience. We'll talk about that on Pete's side in a moment, but uh, you know, you wrestled for one of the powerhouse programs in division three at Ithaca, you know, three-time all American got the, got that, that, that title as well. But you know, from your days in wrestling coming through, what what's something that you like to enjoy now as more of a as an alum and a spectator about Division Three wrestling? I love seeing the quality. I love seeing the the student athletes that are competing at Division Three going head to head and competing and winning some battles against some of those Division One programs. I, I think when I was competing in the late eighties and early nineties, I mean. Ithaca had that type of success, but it wasn't, I think, as uh, as large of a, a focal point or as large of a successful um, experience for Division Three in, in, in its entirety. I think there's a lot more success against larger schools uh, at the Division Three level now. Now let's talk a little bit about the coaching standpoint. Obviously, Ithaca with a great tradition. You know, Marty Nichols been there a long time. But, you know, when you look at Ithaca from an all, you know, your alma mater, what do you like about that program where it's been the job Marty's been doing? And obviously, you know, how proud of you are to be, you know, to be a bomber. Well, Marty was one of my teammates. Uh, he was a housemate. He's been a longtime friend. Um, I'm very proud of the job he does there and not just the success that the program has, but the type of kids 
that leave Ithaca. They're outstanding kids, and whenever I stop by campus or pop in the room, um, you know, they're they're polite, they're welcoming, and uh, they're just overall great, great kids. And I think he uh, he focuses on bringing those type of kids in that will develop. And I think Ithaca's had an All-American every year since 1982 or 19, 1983. So for Marty to continue that that success has been uh, it's been great for all the alumni uh, nationwide. Now, Pete, you, you'd mentioned your your tenure at Lakeland, and you know Lakeland's had a couple coaching changes the last couple years. And what was some things that you learned about coaching at the Division Three level that that helped you eventually get the job at Purdue? Yeah, uh, coaching at Division Three it taught me how to do everything. Uh, you know, you have to be able to run all aspects of the of a program and uh i couldn't believe when i made the transition the amount of help that i had in division one as compared to to division three so it was a challenge but it was a great challenge to have i uh can't tell you from all the coaches and uh the community in division three wrestling i've learned so much from from the coaches that were in programs just helped me adjust and help me uh, develop as a coach and prepare me to go to a place like Purdue and coach. So um, I learned a lot there. I learned a lot about, uh, you know, how dedicated these kids are and how hard they're willing to work with, you know, at times they're not, or you know, with no scholarship, they put it on the line and give everything they have. And uh, they, bust their tail to win a national championship. And so it's exciting. Yeah, Mike, back to you. You had head coaching experience at division one level at Binghamton, and that was in the first iteration of the school. It was a division three school for a long time, then made the transition as the athletic department moved to division one. And you were, you were unfortunately the coach there when, when the program was dropped and, you know, Pete has, Pete's talked about, you know, how much extra help he got at Purdue being at a big 10 program as an assistant coach. Now, at a Division One level, at a, a then a fairly, I would say, fair statement to say that Binghamton was a little bit underfunded uh, at the Division One level. What are some things that you learned from being a Division Three athlete and, and coach that helped you in a Division One coaching situation where you didn't have the resources like a Purdue had? I just think uh, you know I was able to draw from what Coach John Murray, my college coach, was very creative and. I think he may do uh, and, and had a lot of success with limited resources. So there were some things that I was able to, to utilize from, you know, going through that program and, and volunteering for a year under, under him um, as well. I, to be honest, I just think that there are two, two different monsters and uh, there's a lot of great programs out there that don't have the, the sources um, and are still competing successfully. And, and you take a guy like John Stutzman when he, he was at Bloomsburg, I don't think he had the best resources, but he had uh, a heck of a program year in and year out, but he, he put a lot of work in. Um, and I think the resources he has now at the university of Buffalo are uh, probably triple or better than what he had at bloom, but I, it's just creativity. It's hard work. And, um, I think the Binghamton situation was completely different because I was there when they were division three school and transitioning. And it just, uh, it, it was a difficult, it was, it was, it was fun. Um, but it was tough. There was a lot of stigma about it still being a division three school. Um, and the funding certainly didn't help with recruiting. 
uh, when you have to, um, you're trying to trying to attract kids that are looking at the Cornells and the Lehigh's and the Patriot type league schools, Ivy League type schools, uh, trying to get them to a, a high standard public institution. Uh, it, it made it tough. Yeah, it's extremely rare, especially I think the way how the the NCAA works now, for a a school to be Division three and then move up to Division one. Usually, you know, you saw Upper Iowa go from Division three to Division two, but you haven't really seen Division three athletics programs make that fast track to to Division one. I. I mean, when when you were there in that situation, you go from a non scholarship situation to a limited scholarship situation. Uh, you know, I mean, what was the hardest part of the transition? I mean, the the, the time off from competition. I mean. Uh, what what were some hurdles that you had to go through that that a D three coach normally doesn't have to go through that all of a sudden now you've got more things to worry about as a Division one level uh, other than what you had said about recruiting against the Cornells and Lehigh's of the world? Well, I think I think being you know having to sit out of postseason for two years right out of the gate certainly affects the program uh, not just for those two years but it was a several year effect um, because it, it it backs up your whole it backs up the future and the vision of the program, not having to be able to have a postseason to compete in. Um, you know, the budget certainly helped. I think the move was, was very, very fast. And I don't know if the department was, uh, the program or the department was ready for something to happen and grow that fast. Um, and I also think that, uh, I think that there was a lot of expectations from our coaching staff to have success immediately, and I think that was uh, that wasn't realistic looking back. Yeah, because you're looking at guys that you know. We we, we talk about this on the show that the Division three athlete has different goals in mind than the Division one athlete. Uh, from a wrestling standpoint, everybody obviously wants to win, wrestle, win a national title, and, and be part of a team. But you know, there's you've you're, you've got a Division three roster, and you're trying to compete immediately. With with Division One, where, where you've got, you're, you're wrestling the Cornells, which are guys that are you know nationally ranked coming out of high school. I mean, uh, how did the kids take to it? I mean, the guys that stuck around. Obviously, there's there's going to be attrition in those those dead years in terms of postseason. But uh, you know, how did the guys from that were that were your Division Three athletes handle that transition to Division One? Well, they. I mean, we didn't lose anybody to to transferring. The kids stuck it out. Um, and we tried to do our best to fundraise and get them to feel juniors and university nationals so that they still had a national tournament to compete in, even though it wasn't an NCAA tournament. Um, but because of the academic reputation Binghamton had, um, and with academics being um, part of the Division Three philosophy, I think those kids that were recruited and that were on the on the program knew that they had to have an, a balance of academics and athletics, and Binghamton was still a good fit for them. Um, so I think, you know, I think in the big picture, academics kept most of those kids around and, and competing. Now, Pete, shifting gears to you, obviously you ended up at Lakeland with, with a master's, and then, you know, you're the head coach there. What were some things that you were first surprised about? Obviously, Wisconsin has a very good – uh, structure Division Three wrestling program. So, what were some things that you were first surprised about when you landed uh, the coaching job? Other than you know the workload that you talked about about that you didn't have to deal with as much as Purdue with the support. I mean, uh, positive or or something that maybe was just eye opening. Yeah, I guess uh, you know I came back to my hometown and I started uh, coaching at a program that I didn't know existed. So um, it was uh, 
it was definitely challenging, but it was exciting to see coming in just the intensity and the amount of effort that these guys wanted to put forth in order to accomplish their goals. Uh, I was extremely surprised that uh, even though they weren't held there by anything, that they were willing to give as much as I asked. And they were, you know, they were just waiting for somebody to push them and make them work hard and try and get them to, to a national level. And that was exciting to see, you know, the first year I was there, I didn't know much about coaching. I was fresh out of college. What I knew how to do was wrestle. And I just so happened to come into a program where there was a 165 pounder by the name of Lee Katinger. That was just a tough son of a gun. And, uh, I knew how to wrestle and, uh, he was older. So all I, we wrestled all the time and, uh, he was willing to do anything I asked him to do. He worked as hard as I wanted him to. And, you know, he accomplished some great things and was Lakeland's first all American. Um, but it, for me, I guess it was just to see that these guys uh, are committed as any wrestler out there and willing to do it uh, for a little to n- to no money, you know, in the way of money. So it it was it was refreshing to see that in wrestling. Well, Pete, what are some of the similarities that that are often overlooked between uh, you know not just the athletes, but maybe from a coaching perspective, from a division one to a division three level, obviously everything gets compared to division one, but what are some things, you know, there's, there's now coaches that have division one backgrounds that are now heading up division three programs where initially they were just pretty much going, I'm going to be a division one coach. And, you know, with 77 programs and there's not a whole lot of, uh, you know, job openings, at least, especially at the head coaching position. So, you know, why do you think there's the similarity where a, a division one assistant could be like, all right, you know what? I could, I could be a division three head wrestling coach. You know, it's all about wrestling. It's about, uh, you know, the way you run your program. You know, if you have a good plan and you're willing to stick to your guns and follow it through, um, it's exciting no matter what level you're at. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, at times, we overlook, you know, you know, you think division one and, you know, that's the ultimate goal of where you want to be. Well, you know what, the division three level, the division two, NEIA, whatever it is, they're exciting levels to be at. And the goals are always the same. And if you're capable of running a good business and running, a, you know, running it, uh, the way you'd like to, uh, and sticking to it, uh, you can be successful at both levels. Um, the technique, I think everybody, there's a hundred people out there or thousands of people out there that are capable of being college coaches and have the technique to be college coaches, uh, but be able to run the, uh, the business aspect of it and, you know, run a good clean program. That's the part that, uh, you know, if you can do that, you can be successful at any level. Now, one thing I discovered when I first started covering the Division Three Championships back in 2009, and Mike, this question's for you. Over the years, the it's, the excitement level doesn't seem to change. I mean, no matter if it's in Cedar Rapids, Lacrosse, this past year in Hershey, you know, you've been around Division Three wrestling a long time. Has for for people that are new to Division Three wrestling, and I, I consider myself still somewhat new, even though I've covered it since '09. Has the excitement level that we see now has it always been like that? at the national championships? Yeah. I mean, every round was always exciting. Um, 
I think the big difference now, though, Jason, is the championships are held in facilities that are larger than when I was competing. Um, my senior year at the college hosted the NCAAs, and it was in the Ben Light Gym, and I think the max capacity was about 3,000 people. Um, so I think it's great that the facilities, uh, the, the stage is, is larger, um, and I, I think that uh, it's brought more attention to Division Three wrestling. I think the student-athletes have brought more attention because of the success and, you know, the, the interstate rivals um, that have that have grown, the Augsburg-Wartburg rival, and now you've got Wisconsin lacrosse in the mix the past few years, and uh, Messiah College being so competitive in PA. So it's, it's nice to start seeing a little bit of a change in the guard of the, the top 10 teams. Now, Pete, what was your first reaction? Obviously, having wrestled in the Big Ten, you've seen Big Ten championships, and those things are obviously crazy, but – you know, when when you first stepped in to coaching at the Division Three Championships, and you look around, and there's the the chance of East Coast timeout from from basically everybody in the Midwest from any school out east, and and you basically you sit there and you take it in. I remember I was going, "This is nuts." I mean, what was your first yeah. reaction to the championships? Yeah, I felt the same way. And you know what, my first national championship that I was at was in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. King's College, and uh, it wasn't a pretty big venue, and uh, I couldn't believe how vocal the crowd was and how how exciting everything was. It was a it was definitely an experience and one that uh, you know I was definitely surprised with. Um, you know, it was uh, definitely right up there with any other big uh, wrestling event. Now, both of you guys are out of college coaching as it stands right now, at least uh, on the official level. So, you know, when you take a step back and look at it, what are some things, uh, I guess I'll start with Mike, what are some things that you've seen that uh, you touched on this with the facilities a little bit, but the NCAA has done to make the Division Three championships, you know, more marketable, more fan-friendly. Uh, obviously, Hershey was a great facility for it this year, obviously knowing a lot about wrestling with the PIAA, the Pennsylvania State Wrestling Championships held there. Uh, great crowds, but where have you seen a real push in promotion of Division Three wrestling, whether it be from the NCAA or from the schools themselves? I think social media has had a huge impact on that. Uh, see more teams able to promote their programs. I think um, uh, forums like what you're doing, uh, whether it's a written forum or a podcast promotes and creates more visibility for the division three programs. And I think it creates more awareness. So, um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what the NCAA is doing because I'm kind of outside that circle, but it's nice to see what people like you are doing to promote division three wrestling, um, not just division two or division one. I mean, you're promoting all kinds of wrestling and, you know, we're fortunate to have, a specific podcast with you for division three. So I, I think that type of platform uh, only helps and uh, creates more excitement. Well, I personally appreciate that. Pete, your thoughts, same question. Yeah. And I'd have to 100% agree with Mike with, uh, with things like this going on and uh, you know, the social media. And I think from an aspect of coaches and wrestlers, in college realizing that it's important that they uh set you know set the standard for college wrestling and, and do the right things in the community i think there's a lot of programs 
in Division Three wrestling where the programs are run right, the students at the school realize that uh, these guys work hard, they're doing the right things, and they want to come support them at matches. I noticed since when I first started, and I haven't been out of Division Three for years, and I imagine it's changed again since then, but um, from when I first started until I, I stopped, the increase of the number of fans at events increased dramatically. And I think it was because coaches were pushing it. Their athletes were pushing it on campus and talking to people and helping people understand the sport of wrestling. So uh, if we can continue to do that, I'm it's, it's great for the sport. The last thing I'm going to touch on with you guys is uh, this is always a topic at division one programs about getting more fans into the seats, getting the students involved. Uh, Michael, start with you. What were some successful things that Ithaca did to to, to get fans in the gym and, and get the student body actively involved in in coming to home dual meets? I, I mean, I think a lot of it was uh, our coach doing a lot of promotions. He had this big, it was like a movie board that uh, had Velcro on it, so he would put the lineups up uh, in one of the main buildings where a lot of student traffic was promoting it. Um, he was talking to newspapers and then just as a team, we were promoting, you know, we, we were attending other team events, football games, soccer games, et cetera. And in return, those athletes were coming to our events. So we had a great student base. Um, I don't think the Ithaca community at the time was, was that supportive, but I, I know that Marty's getting more and Cornell, uh, but Marty specifically is getting more, uh, Towns, Ithaca Towns people to his matches. And Pete, obviously Wisconsin with a great wrestling tradition. What were some things that, that worked for you in getting students to come out to Lakeland Duels? Yeah, it was just talking, you know, knocking on doors, talking to people, telling people what we had going on, um, making sure that we were doing things in the community uh, to have people, on, you know, you know, whether it was community service projects and things to to bring you know bring the program to life so people realize what was going on you know the more they invested in us the more they saw our kids around and saw what positive role models they were the more they wanted to come and support them so it seemed like as we grew in that area you know the fan base grew pete going to give you the last word as uh your representative here on the show of my house sports gear the sponsor of this program uh, check them out at MyHouseSportsGear.com. Talk us a little bit about the company and, and w- what it's doing for wrestling and Division Three wrestling. Yeah, we're a relatively young uh, company, about six, seven years old, and uh, we're just coming onto the scene and uh, things have been going well. We pride ourselves in uh, doing the right things, making sure things are to people on time. And uh, our customer service is unbelievable. We have a, a great group of sales reps that are, mostly former wrestlers so you'll be dealing with wrestling people and uh you know any way we can help the division three community it's important to all of us on our staff here at my house and you know that's that's the reason for wanting to join you guys with these podcasts i think it's just a an excellent thing and um yeah if you ever have any questions feel free to check out our website or reach out to me we'd definitely uh like to help you out and outfit your teams I'd like to thank Mike Fusilli and, and Pete Rogers for jumping on this first segment here of Episode 3 of the Ice Hour Division 3 Wrestling Podcast. More with Danny Song coming up next. 
Now we're talking with Danny Song, the new head coach at Case Western Reserve University. In case you didn't know, folks, that's in Cleveland, Ohio. And as we've mentioned many times, that is not technically the East Coast unless it's the East Coast of Lake Erie. Danny, welcome to the Ice Hour. Thanks a lot, Jason. Happy to be here. So you're you're entering your first year as a coach at Case Western Reserve University. It's it's had a long wrestling program. Obviously, you're the third or fourth coach. We've we've got to quite figure it out. Bob Del Rosa was there from like I don't know the Will, Woodrow Wilson era, and uh, you know he, he was coached there for a long time. Passed away a couple of years ago. Mark Haywald took over the position. He just left to take over the position at John Carroll, and now your circuitous route to Division three coaching. It's kind of interesting because you've got Division three experience, you've got Division one experience, you've got coaching experience at Division one and Division three. Let's just jump right into it. What makes you excited about coaching at Case Western Reserve? Well, number one, fired up to take on a program of my own for the first time. Uh, I feel like I've had some of the best coaches in the country, arguably the best coaches in the world. So I feel like I've had great teachers, great mentors, and I'm I'm jumping jumping up and down ready to do cartwheels and push-ups to be able to pay that forward and you know pass those lessons on to my own group of guys now. Now, obviously, you've got a you've you know, the degree says University of Iowa, but you did spend a lot of time in Division Three wrestling at Brockport and the Merchant Marine Academy before finishing up at the University of Iowa. Get, got into coaching right away under Coach Tom Brands and staff in various positions in Iowa City before joining John Stutzman's staff at Bloomsburg. Then, uh, actually, you did serve as the interim head coach at Bloomsburg for, for just a short time, so technically you do have head coaching experience, right? <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Always seeing the positive, always bumping up that resume a little bit. So that's good. I, uh, you know, those Division Three roots are strong. Um, that's something that I don't, I don't take lightly. That's something that you don't forget where you came from. And so, what it comes down to is the passion for wrestling, and it's just pure wrestling. So you're talking about guys who, you know, are there and trying to do the best that they can with no budget and it's the very same passion and energy that guys who bring it to, to the level of division one where it's bigger budget, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, after Bloomsburg and Navy had a chance to work under Bruce Burnett, who is now the U S Olympic team uh, men's freestyle coach. And, you know, Bruce, in my conversations with him, this guy is so cerebral about everything. I mean, he was on the, uh, the junior world team staff, Back in 2012, when we were in Pattaya, Thailand, this is before he took the USA position, before Zeke left, and it was like, I'm sitting there and I'm just talking to him, and I'm like, he's he's going over just these little films, and he's talking to these you know, 18, 19-year-old kids that are on this junior world team, and I'm like, my goodness. I mean, I learned more from him in like maybe 15 minutes of analyzing film than I have a lot of people. What was it like being able to, to work under Coach Burnett at Navy? It was phenomenal. Uh, it was a, a little bit of a tease, I'll say. Uh, I'll, I'll go back and tell you that I've known Coach Burnett since 2004. So that's over 10 years. That's over a decade. And uh, I got to know him as a camp counselor for him at the Naval Academy Wrestling Camps. And you better believe that every time he was on the schedule to teach, I was there and I was his dummy. And, and the, the things that he's able to explain and teach and communicate, it transcends wrestling. <clears throat> and that's that's truly a gift where he can connect with guys. It doesn't matter if it's 
a grade school camper, or a U.S. Olympic gold medalist. He's able to connect and just immediately make you feel like he's the right coach for you at the right time, no matter, again, if you're a youngster or you're looking to win an Olympic gold medal. So to be a part uh, of what he was doing for a short time at the Naval Academy uh, as a full-time member of his staff was a blessing. Um, But that's something that was deeply rooted and uh, going back 10 years before. So it was a a great experience, a little bit of a tease. um, And when he announced that he was retiring, it was bittersweet. Um, And even especially in the case that it turned out to be a a very short retirement for him with a a new door opening shortly after leaving the Naval Academy. So, you know, you say the Division Three roots run deep, but how much did you know about Case before you, uh, you applied for and got the job there? I know a little bit about them. Uh, I had wrestled a Case Western Reserve wrestler uh, at the national tournament when I was competing. Uh, one of their all-time studs, uh, a gentleman by the name of Zach Kali, who his family uh, pedigree in the state of Ohio runs pretty deep, not just with him, uh, but with his uncles as well. And he was an absolute stud for Case Western Reserve. And uh, I found that out. I think we had a knockdown drag out. There, there must have been... 30 points scored if there were two points scored. So it's uh, it was a good match between us. And I didn't really learn about what all the, um, uh, the culture and the opportunities that the school provided, uh, you know, their, their uh, student athletes with until really diving into the, the coaching search. You know, and on that, there are so many different things that Division Three schools bring to the table. Obviously, some of them are, are you know, on, in, in on par with like Ivy League schools, and then some of them are, are more of the smaller liberal arts programs, and some of them are even public schools. But what are some unique things you learned about Case in the short time you've been there? That's like, man, I'm going to really be able to pitch this to recruits and and bring a, a, a new era of of wrestling into Cleveland. The biggest thing for me was connecting the, and it was very easy but connecting the, the mission of the school to that of the Naval Academy. And it, it might sound a little bit weird, uh, but if you take away the military piece um, from the academies, you're looking at student-athletes who are incredibly strong in both areas of their academics and their comp- competition. You're looking at guys who truly love the sport. You're looking at guys who are signing up to be a part of something great, uh, not only while they're at your school for the four years, but beyond. They're looking at the opportunities beyond graduation. And with guys at Case Western Reserve and guys at the service academies, you're looking at opportunities while you're there. So every every summer you're looking at an internship or an externship or a co-op opportunity uh, so that when you do graduate, you know as best as possible exactly what you want to specialize in. So you have guys who are coming there, uh, not only for the great education, not only to compete and try to win a national title, but also to um, secure a, a meaningful job after graduation, uh, a position where they can contribute back to society, contribute back to the, their alma mater. And, and so for me, that was a no-brainer in, in kind of explaining my, my vision for the recruiting process um, and, and really being able to sink my teeth into and uh, explain and uh, really expose people to the opportunities of Case Western Reserve, not only while you're there, but beyond. 
Yeah, and as you talk about that in terms of the dynamic of the school, if you look at the rankings, whether they be from Forbes, uh, U.S. World and U.S. News and World Report, Case Western is a top 50, top 100 school nationally, and in some some polls, a top 120 school globally. So, uh, you know, when you, you're recruiting wrestlers that want those, I mean, you know, a lot of wrestlers want to be coaches, and at the Division three level, a lot of a lot of them want to go on beyond coaching or teaching. And if you look at, I'm just looking at this, the top, most the top five most popular majors from 2011 for Case Western Reserve. Okay, get this. I don't know if you knew this coming in. This might help you with your recruiting if it does good. Biomedical engineering, biology <laughs> and biological sciences, nursing, med- mechanical engineering, and psychology. So that's what you're working with. Smart athlete, you you want you want uh, what is it? Ken Churchill says, uh, you know, be a student athlete, not just a dumb jock. You, you can't do that at Case. Without a doubt. And and when I was looking at the school, I looked up their roster. I'm going down the 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 individuals, the athletes, the weight classes, the hometown, the high school, and the academic major. You get to that last column, academic major. You're looking at 99% of the kids on the, on the roster are uh, enrolled in in the majors courses you listed. Uh, you're talking about engineering. You're talking about pre-med. You're talking about guys who are really looking to take advantage of that top 100, top 120 academic institution, not only in the U.S., but arguably the world. Now, also a little historical note for those wondering the, the name. It used to be Case Institute of Technology and Western Reserve University. They both That's where they, the, the name Case Western Reserve comes from. Actually, before I even started attending the, the national championships in 2009 at the Division Three level, I first saw Case Western Reserve when they were in the small college division at the Virginia Duels. So uh, while I, I don't have a great knowledge of the school, and, and Wikipedia definitely helps, and of course Isaac Dukes and his national championship a couple years ago, which started the whole East Coast takedown chant and the whole like geography thing that we talked about in the opening of this, uh, this <laughs> segment of the interview. But uh, definitely an interesting history with the school. And, you know, what are some things that you've learned here in, in the first a uh, couple weeks on the job that uh, you know you knew about that all of a sudden it's like there's these these gems there waiting for you like I am I I didn't know about this I'm really going to be able to use this to not just build a program but build student athletes. For sure, uh, Case Institute you talked about was founded in 1826, so there's history there. You know you you have uh, a history of academic tradition, um, and then you have Western Reserve University. Um, that actually Western Reserve, that term comes from um, back in the colonial days. So the state of Connecticut was looking to expand. Well, they stuck they stayed, uh, stuck claim in northeast Ohio, and they named that territory the Western Reserve. So originally, before northeast Ohio was what it is now, it was the Connecticut Western Reserve. And so that's where that name comes from. Well, when they started Western Reserve University, they modeled it after Yale University. And so a lot of their traditions are coming from an Ivy League background. And that's where, you know, that rich academic tradition comes from. So they take it seriously. They want to win. Um, But with all that, there's an incredible endowment set up for the university. And it is, you know, if you look it up on Wikipedia, I mean, money talks. and, And you're talking about, well, what, what, what does that really mean to the student athlete? Well, when there's an endowment set up, that endowment goes towards, um, you know, 
tuition adjustments, essentially. So you're looking at that price tag uh, for, for Case Western Reserve, and it's a big number. It's a little bit daunting. But when you look a little bit deeper, you find out that West, Case Western Reserve has an incredible endowment setup. And because of that, the majority of the students at Case Western Reserve are only paying a fraction of what that initial uh, price tag is, which is phenomenal. So you're getting a world-class education for a fraction of the price because of the incredible endowment, because of the rich history and people who saw value in paying that education forward. Now, when you come into a Division three situation, obviously it helps that you've been at, you know, two service academies, you know, with Merchant Marine. What a lot of people don't know that is technically a service academy, as is uh, obviously the Naval Academy. But those are the type of – you spoke on this a little bit earlier, but those are the type of athletes you've got experience in recruiting. So that's really not going to be anything new for you. But now as we look at competition – and what are your goals for the program? Obviously, Augsburg and Wartburg kind of rule the roost in, in Division Three, and have since, uh, I guess, what, the early 90s at this point. It's been some Berg has won it, even though there's been some good years by Elmhurst and Whitewater to challenge in lacrosse. But, you know, w- when you look at taking over a program and, you know, are there, there dual meet goals, national championship goals, individual goals? Where Where is your, like, your first-year goals and where are your five-year goals and what are you going to do to accomplish them? Well, for me, again, goes back to the amazing uh, teachers, mentors that I've had. Um, you know, and more than wrestling, you know, they taught me mentality. And so the competitor in me uh, is going to say that we want to win every single match that we compete in. Uh, it's going to take time. You know, it's going to take time. Right away, I want to instill and help build a culture of why not us? You know, why can't we win? Is there a law out there that says we cannot win right away? Um, I'll tell you that there's not a law. You know, we can, in fact, get our hands raised right away. And it's going to start small. It's going to start with steps. And so for me, the way I approach it is success will lead to wins, will lead to domination. Now, we, we are not anywhere near domination. And, we're, and some might say we're not quite near wins we're, and we might not even be near success right now. But you talk about getting your hand raised on the wrestling mat, it's going to start with the little things that are going to add up to big things. So we're going to take it step by step. We're going to look to achieve success consistently. We're going to look to win consistently. We're going to look to dominate consistently. And so that's going to take a lot of time. Um, and you know, that's, that's going to a wins and losses uh, just a black and white competitor, you know, uh, outlook. We also got to look at the, the total student athletes. You know, we do care about academics. We do want to see guys graduate. We do want to see 100% of our incoming recruits graduate in four years and go on to meaningful careers. You know, and the third piece of it would be socially. We want to make sure our guys are doing the right thing socially, not only for themselves, but looking out for their teammates, holding each other accountable. Um, you know, and having a presence in the community. You know, we don't want to just be a, a, a pack of wrestlers that are wild and and uh, unruly and going out and getting reckless. And they and we're going to be our own cult. No, we have to be well connected to the university, well connected to the community, in order to help move the entire region. You know, talking about college wrestling in Cleveland to a new level can see that the high school wrestling in Cleveland is undoubtedly 
among the top five regions in the country, if not number one. You know, you go there, you ask them, they'll tell you they're number one, and that they're they're talking about competing with Young Guns and and uh, Team Quest on Pittsburgh. Talking about Western Pennsylvania. Well, Cleveland is a top top recruiting ground. Well, we need our college wrestling to reflect that, and that's that's one of my longer term goals. It's going to take some time, but I, I believe we'll get there. You know, having that experience at the University of Iowa and then moving into coaching, a lot of the track, and we talked earlier in the program with uh, Mike Facilli and Pete Rogers about this, is when you're you're a Division three athlete or, or a Division one assistant coach and you're looking that upward mobility in terms of, of coaching, you know, a lot of the, the D1 assistants, they'll, they'll move up from a volunteer position to, to the, the second assistant position. But the number of Division One head coaching jobs is is really limited. There's you know very rarely do you see the turnover where you got ten, eleven coaches changing a year. It's happened I think twice in the last twenty years that I've covered wrestling. But from a from a coaching standpoint, what makes what's enticing for a Division One assistant to say, you know what, I want to take over program and it's going to be at the Division Three level. What's it mean for you? For me, I'm looking at it as as black and white is do I want to impact and have an influence in a, in a positive way over young college guys trying to set goals and achieve those goals? And the answer for me is yes. Well, if the answer is yes to that question, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's division one, two, three, NAIA. If you truly are about the sport, you're truly about wrestling, you're truly about paying lessons you've learned forward to young guys, you know, it, it's going to be a deal where you find different opportunities and you go uh, after them with a whole heart and you just attack it. So so what I'm talking about is, um, you know, it, it needs a lot to me to be on the wrestling mat as a profession. You know, it, it's not something I set out to do maybe 20 years ago or, or uh, when I started wrestling as a, a 10, 11-year-old. It's, it's not something I set out to do. But a lot of doors have opened, um, which have led to me, again, I keep going back to it, to great teachers and mentors. And now to be able to pass on these lessons line forward to some young guys and, and to be able to influence them in a positive way does mean the world to me. And to be able to support a family by coaching wrestling and doing what you love is, is getting close to be unheard of. You know, there's only so many programs left. And, and I, I know Mike Moore here at the NWC is is working his tail off to reverse that and create by creating more opportunities. But if you're again, if you're about the wrestling and you're about influencing guys, you get to recognize incredible opportunities and you go after them. The school motto is "Think Beyond the Possible." How how easy is it going to be for you to tie that into the wrestling program? <laughs> Oh man, I'm getting t-shirts made up. It's uh, that's something that we are gonna live by. That that is something that we have to, we have to live by. That's that's an easy easy pitch, and, and that's something where I'm trying to think outside the box and and take it more to a competitive standpoint. And we're talking about compete beyond possible, fight beyond possible, attack beyond possible, score beyond possible. And and you take it to a wrestling thought process. I mean, you you're looking at doing something that is not comfortable, and that the average person would look at and say, "There's no way that can happen." 
But yet you you look at it with an, a competitive mindset and you say, no, I'm going to take it on and we're going to make this thing possible. So yeah, it's everything we're looking at is beyond possible, beyond comfortable, but think beyond possible. I mean, that's, that could not be more fitting to what we're trying to do at Case Western Reserve. So I'm uh, I'm all about that. I'm all on that, on that train for sure. Talking with Danny Song, new head wrestling coach at Case Western Reserve University here on the Ice Hour D3 Wrestling Podcast. Danny, moments we got left, uh, you know, basically it's not a sales pitch, but, uh, you know, what is what are some things that you're looking forward to now full-time back in Division Three, and, and something that you're looking at, uh, maybe, you know, the excitement, capture the excitement of the Division Three championships and things of that nature. I mean, well, you know, what's, what's your general feel about being able to coach your own program here in Division Three? Well, I'm fired up from from the standpoint of the wrestling program. Uh, taking over for uh, my predecessor, Mark Hazelwald, did a great job in a lot of areas, but still left a lot of room for improvement. And and being able to pick up where he left off, uh, he he definitely left the program in great hands. So for me to to come in it has been pretty seamless so far. Um, t- talking about taking a little bit further, talking about connecting with the community. I mean, I'd have to be a fool not to reach out to, uh, you know, the local clubs out in, in Ohio talking about Jordans and Burnett's and Kolzicki's. I mean, those are stones throw from what, where we're at in, in Cleveland, that case Western Reserve. So not only being able to put in and, and improve things that we're doing at case Western Reserve, but reaching out to the community, the wrestling community, and trying to get, again, the college wrestling team to reflect that prep wrestling scene. And then the more and more we do that, I think you're going to hear more and more about Case Western Reserve and and the great things we'll be doing uh, from a wrestling standpoint, from an academic standpoint, and from a, a social standpoint. is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.